the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is gardening writer and broadcaster Jeff Hodge to answer your questions. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from roses and broccoli to magnolias. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Jeff, it's a warm welcome to the programme. And finally, we have had a bit of rain this week. Not much. Not enough to help the gardens, is it? Do you think it actually helps at all, hardly? No, not, not, what, not what I've seen. No. So the hosepipe bands are on their way. Yeah, they've been threatening drought, haven't they? The yeah. rivers are low. It's taken them a long time to realise that the rivers are low. We all realised as gardeners that there was a problem. Well, no for, one else did, didn't I, they? I've heard that further south, they've already been told to save water. That means we can't water our bedding plants? No. Well, you can. You can do it with a watering can. <laughs> go, come on. What's your, what's your first uh, one, then, if, if the weather's looking dry? Well, OK, well, uh, I am talking about bedding to start with because um, we've all grown lots of young mm. seedlings and, and plug plants and they're indoors and they're in the greenhouse or the conservatory. Lovely warm conditions. And we're getting ready to for the towards the end of the month for planting them out. But we should harden them off first. And by that, I mean we are acclimatising them to the outdoor, the cooler outdoor conditions. Uh, and if you don't do that properly, uh, if you do sort of go straight from yeah. a greenhouse to outdoors and there's a, you know, a low temperature they when you plant out... They just stop growing, don't they? Well, they stop growing and, and sometimes they can go backwards. Yeah. So uh, acclimatise them, harden them off first. So and is that taking them out in the day? Not Well, basically what that means, you could, yeah. it takes about 7 to 14 days, so you know, an average of sort of 10 days. So you move them from the heated structure to uh, ideally an unheated one outside, so something like a cold frame. But not many people have got those, have no, they? No, so if you haven't got a cold frame, then you'll need to do it completely with fleece. But basically during the day this time of year, you can leave them uncovered, but then you need to cover them up at night. Um, either put down the lid on your cold frame or put perhaps two layers of fleece mm. on. Um, and then you can, uh, over the next period of time, you can have the lid of the cold frame open and at night just one layer of fleece. Obviously, if, if you haven't got the cold frame, then just use the fleece on its own. And then after about that 10 to 14 day period, they should be nicely hardened off, acclimatised to the outdoor conditions, Calm and then you can start planting towards the end of May or to uh, towards the beginning of June, depending on what sort of weather we get. I was going to say, during that period, what happens if we do get a threat of a ground frost? Well, you... Uh, you do we put two layers back on? I'd put two yeah. layers of fleece yeah. back on, yeah, because, you know... It's not worth the risk, is it? Well, absolutely not, no. And it's quite easy just to, you know, check the weather forecast and then just run outside, either close the lid of the of the cold frame or put the fleece back on. Right. Now, I've been working through some rose beds this week, doing a bit of rose okay, work. Yes, yeah. And believe it or not, yes, deadheading. I yes, mean, I know it, some, some have been flowering. I was, I was at the garden yesterday and uh, there was quite a bit of deadheading needed. It's incredible, isn't it, how they've really come on. So keep deadheading under control because if you, if you deadhead, you'll continuously get better blooms, won't you? So, yep. I mean, that really does make a difference. And the other thing I noticed, now I know this, these beds of roses were sprayed earlier in the season, but I tell you what, there's a bit of aphid showing its head. I saw a lot of aphid Did yesterday. You? So really, um, I've used Rose Clear on those ones purely because I was spraying for black spot um, and rust and all those sort of things. And of course, it covers aphid as well. Yep. But there, if you've just got aphid, you could, you could use a Bug Clear Ultra or you could use um, one of the others to cover just your rust and... If you'd have got aphid, couldn't you? So yeah, it's just so, looking yeah. for the right product. Yeah, if you've only got aphids or pests, do a, an insecticide. If That's you've right. only got diseases, use a fungicide. If you've got both, use a combined. Yeah, so they are really important to spray. And the other thing I noticed, don't suckers grow quickly. Don't suckers grow quickly. <laughs> now, I suppose, really, you're supposed to pull them out, pull them from the root. But, of course, that's sometimes quite difficult, isn't it? Well, um, it, well, it can be if you've yeah. left them too long, long and, they, and, they they've, grow quite and they've thin. grown. Um, but you should pull them from the root. Yeah. That is the ideal. And then they shouldn't grow again. If you cut, cut them, them you'll, get, you'll get more and more and more yeah. and more and more. So if you can get them out, pull them out. If not, well, at least cut them. Don't leave them there because they'll take even more goodness from the rose. Yeah. 
All right, I'm moving into the vegetable garden. Oh, yes. Um, because there's there's lots of vegetables that we love to grow that are not completely hardy. Um, and so in theory, you wouldn't be sowing the seeds until well into the end of this month or again, maybe even into early June. But if you've got somewhere that is uh, good light, you know, so maybe maybe a greenhouse or a conservatory or you've got a coal frame or you've got one of those lean-to frames, then make an early start by sowing them now. So I'm thinking of things like um, climbing French beans, runner beans, courgettes, squashes, marrows and sweet oh, corn. Yeah. Mm. Sow those in pots or into cell trays, grow those on. And then once you've hardened them off, you can then plant those out into the garden. And if you want a really good start with that sort of vegetable, while they're germinating and growing indoors and under cover, then you could actually prepare the soil ready and even cover it with clear polythene warm it, to warm it up. To warm yeah. it up ready. So that's a good idea. Um, and there's some other things that you can sow as well now outdoors if you want to. Things like cauliflowers, purple sprouting broccoli, which is very popular these it days. Is. You can sow those ideally in a, a seed bed. Um, and then you transplant those out into their final cropping positions when they're large enough to handle, maybe when they've got three or four true leaves. And that's better than sowing them directly where you want them to and grow. And don't always, don't always grow what you've always grown. Now, I can't remember its name, but there's a new, like, broccoli that actually is it's a bit like a purple one, but it, it's a multi-head, a bit like a calibre head. Yeah. But, when you, but it's not. It's lots of single stems. So when you cut it, you don't waste as much because it's all in single stems like a... A purple sprouting. Like purple sprout, yeah. So look out for some of these new varieties because they're worth trying, aren't they? They are worth trying, but it's always if you've got a tried and tested that always does really well. well. Where is that? So do both. Do, do a bit of each. Tried and tested and try and experiment with something new. Now, I'm going to talk about herbaceous plants because they're really coming on, aren't they? So especially if they get a bit of water on yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and people always wait till they're tall, floppy, and then say, oh, I think I'll put a stake in doesn't work does it you need to put to either pea sticks or there's those nice round ones with stakes that you can pull the metals up as they grow yep. you need to support herbaceous plants when they're young they'll grow up through the support and look very natural indeed um, and you can use just canes and string and crisscross it across and let stuff well, come well, up through uh, it uh, yesterday well. i was supporting some delphiniums there you that were well advanced even had their flower buds on so uh, and it was quite a windy garden so i was individually staking each flower head yeah uh, one bamboo cane for each flower head two ties because you don't only want no, it in one place because it'll, it'll break at that point mm. so two ties on the stem and of course you know, U-string, figure of eight, and always tie it around the, the cane, not, not the, the stem. But, I mean, really, that isn't as pretty as if you'd already done that. Precisely. Yeah. So do it now as plants are growing as quick as you can, perhaps even during this week. Yes. And I'm looking at one of our favourite climbers, the queen of climbers. Oh, the clematis. Clematis, indeed. Yes. yes. So the ones that have already finished flowering, so that's the, the spring flowering species such as um, Alpina, Macropetala and Montana. Now, they, the books always say, well, you know, they don't need pruning. And, of course, they don't necessarily In need theory, pruning. they don't, do they? But they're so vigorous and fast-growing that if you don't do a bit of pruning and a bit of training and tying in, they turn into a horrible, tangled bird's nest mass of stems. So I always do a, a bit of pruning. OK, maybe just deadheading if, if that's yeah. all you want to do. Or you can prune them a little bit harder if there's sort of too much growth and you need to sort of be able to get at the plant to tie it into its support. So you could cut the stems back by, you know, a few inches, a, a, a third, a quarter, half. You can't really do them a lot of harm, can you? No, you can't, especially if you do it now after mm. they finish flowering. And, um, you know... If they're really out of control and maybe there's lots of bear and you don't get lots of flowers, they will tolerate really hard pruning. But I always find it's better to prune them back to where there is existing growth. You can go into really old hardwood. I have, I have but killed a couple like that. It's yes. a fingers crossed it is. if you go that hard back. Um, and as with all woody plants... Um, when you finish pruning, give them a really good feed because that will encourage lots of fresh new growth. And good water. And a very good water. We keep reminding people about water, won't we? Go on and on about water from now on, won't we? We, we will until the hosepipe ban starts. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. 
Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we'll be starting with a national flower show, which takes place at Highlands House in Chelmsford. That's on Friday the 19th, Saturday the 20th and the 21st of May from 10 till 5. There's supposed to be celebrity guests there, floral art competition and displays in the Grand Floor Pavilion. So they are. Go along to that. Saturday the 20th of May as well, matching charity farmers market in the village hall. Fresh produce, local farmers and producers, meats, cakes, eggs, that sort of thing. So go along to that. 21st of May, 12 till 5, part of the National Garden Scheme, Rosedale at 40 Colchester Road in Bures will open. It's described as a plantsman's garden. It is packed with a wide range of plants. Homemade teas and plants will be on sale. Admission is £3. On, also on the 21st of May, 10.30 till 12.30, plant and produce sale at All Saints Church, Thaden Garden. Proceeds to the church funds. Going through to the 28th of May, it's the 90th anniversary of the first gardens open on behalf of the National Garden Scheme in Essex. The following gardens are open. So go to these because it does celebrate 90 years. Chippins in Bradfield, five gardens in Langley near Saffron Warden, Parsonage House in Hellions Bumpstead, Three Pound Gate in Stebbing, which is a new NGS garden, and four gardens in Waltham Abbey. So go on, go along and support the NGS, because a lot, lot of their money goes towards cancer care. Really important subject. On the 29th, that's Monday the 29th of May, the year, again, just a reminder that, again, with this celebration, there's another one, Gooseberry Hall in Epping Green, which is a new NGS garden, is open. Um, It was an original in 1927 garden as well, Rookwoods in Sybil Headingham. So there's a couple of others to go along to. So now don't forget that you can have your event publicised here on the BBC Essex Gardening Podcast. All you have to do is send it along to me, Ken Crowther, with at least three weeks' notice. Yeah, and you're slipping a bit. I'm getting them two weeks ahead. I want them three weeks ahead. So come on, three weeks ahead by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. .uk or drop me a line to BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chumpsford, CM2 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Jeff will be answering your gardening questions and we'll be starting with Anne from Dovercourt and her rhododendrons. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. Yes, I'd like some help. I've got a rhododendron, a tallish one. It's about four to five foot tall. I've had it many years, must be over 20 to 30 years. Um, the last couple of years, it's been looking rather pathetic, and there's a lot of branches now um, that, that have died. And, but I've got some new shoots coming from the bottom, it seems, from the sides at the bottom, and I wonder if this time of the year would be OK to cut down what I know is dead or to leave it till next year. No, I do it. Do, do it, it now, now. Anne. Oh, um, um, do it now. The time to, to the time to prune rhododendrons is it's when m- the flowers m- fade. May time. Oh, right. no, well, I've got buds on them at the moment. Oh, well, let the okay. buds well, yeah. enjoy the yeah. buds. Don't cut, don't cut the buds off. Uh, have, enjoy the flowers, and then as soon as they finish flowering, as soon as they start to go over, then you can cut it as hard as you need to. But as as you good say, good feed as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, give them a really good feed. Any oh, any. Yeah, yeah. Any shrub that you prune, you should feed after uh, after you've pruned it back. Okay. Right, so as soon as they flower, I haven't got to wait till next spring or anything. I could nope. do it as soon as they've died. No. Nope. As yeah. soon as you finish flowering, enjoy the flowers, and then off you go. And we are now in Chelmsford. I know we're in Chelmsford, but we're talking to Jean in Chelmsford, aren't we, Jean? Hello. <laughs> what would you like to talk about today? I'd like to talk about a catalpa which I bought last. The year before last, so it's had two. This is its second season in my garden. Okay. It last year it was absolutely beautiful with with leaves the size of your hands, if not bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's about three foot tall now. But all it all it's doing this year, all new shoots are coming out at the very top of all the branches in a little scrunched up, nasty looking group, and all, below was all bare branches it looks horrible okay i wondered why that had happened well catalpas can do that they tend to produce most of their new growth towards the 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 tips of their shoots and and the best way to treat catalpa is to treat it as a what we call a pollarded shrub 
which basically means that every spring and um, it's not I would normally do it April, but it's not too late to do it now is that you cut back very hard all the previous year's growth. Oh. And that then causes it to shoot further down on the branches. Oh, and how that, far down would I go? Uh, well, it all depends on its shape. So has it got a, has it got a central trunk? No. No, it's how? a number of tr- uh, branches coming out from the base. Uh, OK. And how high? You said three foot? About three foot, yes. Yes, well, that's all right. You could just cut them down to about a foot or so, 18 yes, inches. Yep. Foot to eight, yes. Oh, I should be too frightened. I they'll think. bleed. They'll bleed a little, won't they? Mm, you get a bit of little, but not a lot, yeah. will you? But the 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 any plant like catalpa that is grown for mainly for its big leaves. Yes. If, if you do that pruning every year, you guarantee the big leaves. If you don't prune them, the years smaller, uh, the leaves get smaller and smaller year by oh, year. I never knew that. They do no. say that in the description. Ah, well, you see, you need to talk to the people at the BBC people Essex. Okay, Jean. Uh, could I just have a squeeze in about Go the wisteria? Go for it. All the buds, lovely longish buds, all fell to pieces before they came out. Is there anything I've done wrong there? Do you think? Do you reckon it's dry? How, how, Jean? how old is it, Jean? Uh, oh, six years. Okay, so it's like it's established. Quite new. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a frost. Are you sure? Yes. How many weeks ago did it do this? That's when we had a frost on a... I think it was a Wednesday night. Who was it? <laughs> Even if we don't get frost, the, the, the temperature dropping... If we've had, a, like, a warm day, yes. uh, where obviously the temperatures are quite high, and then it drops suddenly overnight, that's enough to do it. It doesn't have to be a frost. Um, and I think also because we've had such dry weather, that won't have helped either. And dry, dry roots... And cold stroke frosts are the two reasons that wisterias drop. Okay, on to Colchester to talk to Phil about his grapevine. Isn't that right, Phil? Yes, morning, Ken. Morning, Jeff. Um, grapevine, the leaves, or most, or well, good half, they've got bumps on the outside and then like a grey underneath. I just wonder if that's. Is that gall? Can that do anything to the grapevine? Um. There's oh, there's a there's about a dozen different things that could oh, cause could be gall, couldn't it? It could be a gall, gall. disease. It could be an attack by uh, one or two species of aphid that cause the leaves to produce Bump. these bumps. Yeah. It could be that it has dried out during the time when the leaves were just opening. It could be grey mould or botrytis or even powdery mildew. He's cheering you up, isn't he, Phil? <laughs> he is, yeah. Now, Phil, 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 I want to get the saw out and chop it down. No, is it inside or outside, this one? That's outside. Outside. It's the wall, so facing. Um, I wonder, if you, you can't spray with nothing, or I don't like spraying, but is there anything? Well, there's, there's nothing, for nothing. Di- nothing for disease, and, oh. and obviously I wouldn't recommend spraying with anything until I knew exactly what it was, and with no. from your description, without seeing it, it's going to be one of those. But I wondered um, if I just keep cutting them off, will that make it... You You'd know, take the worst of... offending off, couldn't you? Well, you could, but again, it depends what's caused it. Oh, uh, you know, because what what might happen is, you know, if it say if it was an aphid attack, well, that aphid attack may well be over, and so it won't <laughs> yeah. it won't happen on any of the new leaves. Oh, if it's right. one of the other reasons, it could ha- it could carry on happening on every leaf, and then you'll be pulling every leaf off, yeah. and then you'll have a grapevine with no leaves, and therefore it won't grow and won't produce you any grapes. Are um, the new leaves? Can you send us a picture? Um, I might be able to have a go. Yeah. If, if you can send us a picture I'll... that shows. What? That shows the exact symptoms. Both you said it, there's something different on the upper and lower surfaces of the leaves. So if you can send us a picture of both upper and lower surface, that would give us a much better idea of what's going on. Yeah. Or if not, can I? Shall I just leave it this year and then see what happens next? If I water it well and that in the winter, if I dry and. Well, it all depends what it is, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> or, so, or send us send us a couple of leaves in the post, and we'll have a look at them next week for you. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, Phil. Much. Peaches with Yvonne from Kelverdon. What's up with your peach tree? Well, it's a self-sown one. Yeah. Sort of grew up from a stone that I hadn't noticed, but I think it's about two years old now. Lovely. Quite a good size, but it's got leaf curl, and I did pull a lot off, but there seems to be more than ever leaves growing now, 
and they all seem to be curled up. Uh, it is peach leaf curl, I would think, wouldn't it? Could be. Uh, have they got sort of um, puck- puckering and some of them are turning red? Yes. Yeah, yeah peach well, that's, leaf curl. That's peach leaf curl, which is a fungal disease. What can we do for that, Jeff? Nothing. Nothing at all. It's, we... been, it's been very bad this year. I, I, uh, <laughs> I answer a lot of email inquiries and I think this week, I mean, in a normal year, I might get two every spring from people no, saying you, they've I got... I bet you've had dozens. Oh, I've, I've had at least... 15 this week alone so it's been bad this year and the the, the real problem is there's nothing we've got on the market there are to no spray. there are no fungicides approved for use on edible plants so you can't spray it the only recommendation is that you carefully pull the leaves that are affected off so that it doesn't spread to any of the others if they've if they've turned white so they've got the the these um the the bloom of the spores then you have to put that in a plastic bag before you take it off because if you They'll disturb spread. it it will spread elsewhere any leaves that fall on the ground you should pick up in the autumn you should pick them up as well uh, if it was fan shaped uh, you could actually make a tent of plastic over it but it's too late now you for put the winter it, you put it in in the autumn and you leave it on until now and that stops rain splashing the spores back up to the leaves, and that will protect. So I'm sorry we but haven't got any better news for well, you, I know. Since, since all the fungicides have lost, appro- have lost approval, mm. then there is nothing available. I'm going to fit in Maureen from Hockley with her clematis question. Hello, Maureen. Hi, good morning. Um, I bought a lovely clematis at the Morven Garden Show Thursday, and I've got to put it in a really sunny spot, and obviously you have to keep the roots cool. Have you got any tips on the best way to keep the roots cool? You're though? putting it in the ground, are you? Yes, I am. Okay. And it definitely needs a sunny spot, does it? Yes, it's the only. I've got a tiny garden. It's the only place left in the whole world. So, is it a variety that is suitable for a sunny spot? Yes, I think it is. Actually, okay. Three varieties in one. It's three varieties in one pot. So, <laughs> so yes, it's okay. quite a small one. Uh, really small. Good, good luck with the pruning. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, what I would do... Sorry, is this in a pot? No. but I'm going to put it in the ground. In the ground. Oh, sorry, you're going to put it in the ground. Right, well, mulch it, it, put a good thick mulch around. If it's in an area where it needs to be quite ornamental, you could mulch with large stones or gravel, or sometimes I've, I've used glass chippings as a mulch, or grow plants in front of it, low growing plants in front it's of it. It's just keep it cool at that, the base, isn't yeah. it? It is, yeah, it's just literally not allowing the sun to get directly onto the the base of the plant. Do you plant it any deeper still? Yeah, plant it about four to six inches deeper than it is in the pot. So you're you're burying four to six inches of stem uh, as that will help prevent clematis wilt. Uh, I won't won't talk about clematis wilt because that's that's something completely different. Plant it, keep it cool, and that's the important thing. Keep it it? well watered, keep it very well watered. At least two two gallons a week while it's establishing. And we had a question about silver silver balls last week. What, Jeff? On on Christmas trees? No, no, no. no. On the ground, and they're sort of growing in a a clump. Yeah. And it was difficult for the the gentleman to describe it to us, Uh, so he sent us it along. It's Jim Shrub, and he's the town crier at Billericay. And you've seen them. You now know what they are. So let's tell Jim and the others who were listening last week. Okay. Heary, heary. Yes, doing it for him. Of course, of course. course. Uh, Well, it's basically the fruiting bodies of a saprophytic fungi. And saprophytic fungi are, sounds nasty. um, But actually they're not. They're essential. Saprophytic fungi are what break down organic matter in the soil. So they're responsible for increasing your soil humidity. uh, Humidity. Fertility. Fertility. And without them, we would, you know, we would have very poor gardens. They are nature's natural recyclers, so they're not doing any harm. If you don't like the look of them, just bash them with a stick or give them a good kicking. That's it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Let's go to Peter in Braley. Peter, talking broccoli, aren't we, today? Growing broccoli in a container, a large container. This is purple um, broccoli. sprouting variety. Yep. It's just the normal. And I can't understand why it's flowering, because I've kept... It's not been too hot... well the weather hasn't been too hot for some time I've watered it sort of on a a regular basis not over watered it I've given it a feed once a week with Groshaw liquid and everything Uh, but it started to flower I did read that if you take the trim the flowers off from the top of the stems if you like uh, then the broccoli will then 
grow, de- you know, decently without him flowering. Um, just wondered what you had comments on that. So th- th- this is, did you say it was in a container, Peter? Yeah. Yes, that's right, Kenny, yeah. in a large container, I suppose about... Uh, 18 inches diameter. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, basically, the, the 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 flowers, or before they actually become flowers, are, are, are what we eat on broccoli. I mean, that, that is the bit. It's actually the flower buds that we eat. That's what we grow broccoli for. So, have yours actually opened? Yeah, they've opened. That's the thing. So you've got. So you've got, uh, ye- got yellow. So you've got yellow flowers. Yes, they flowered, but before they flowered, there was hardly any actual broccoli on there. Only and when did you when did bit. you when did you sow or plant these? Were these overwintered? Yeah, yeah, I planted them in the autumn. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, if if they <clears throat> haven't formed a good head in the in the autumn in, over the winter and into spring, and they and they flowered prematurely, then the likelihood is that you've allowed them to dry out over the winter months. Oh, that's strange, because I always watered them. I, 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 yeah, fair enough. I mean... Um, well, it could be it could be that um, in association with weather patterns. So we have had quite a, a, a mild-ish winter. Yeah. Normally when you overwinter, uh, overwinter, cold, overwintering broccoli varieties, mm. uh, yeah. unless, of course, it is a summer variety, which you're not supposed to overwinter... Um, yeah. Uh, normally they they need that cold period to initiate the flower buds, which is obviously, as I say, the bit that we eat. And then as we get into the warmer weather, then those flower buds develop into the head. But if you've got a very poor, basically, flower head set, which is what it sounds like, and then it's prematurely flowering before... Just goes yellow, doesn't it? And that's it. Then then it's basically underwatering... Or yeah. and or adverse weather conditions or the wrong weather conditions. So Peter, well, try, no, try again. Well, no. What I would do cut is cut, cut, cut those off. Yeah. Cut the cut the, the cut, cut the flowers off, and with a bit of luck with broccoli, what you should get is you should get more side shoots forming that will yeah. then hopefully give you some. Okay, not huge heads of broccoli. Get small ones, but you'll you? get small small little shoots, a bit like purple sprouting. Yeah, that's what I thought. I've taken the, the flowering off, and uh, only from what I read, oh, that's fine. Uh, thank yeah, you. no, most broccoli will, will produce side shoots. We're talking date palms with Michelle in, in Southwood, aren't we, Michelle? Yes, please, if you don't mind. I think I may have a similar sort of situation. Um, I've got a Canary Island date palm that we've had for about four years in our front garden. It's well established. Um, but the new leaves are coming through sort of a browny-yellow colour, Um and I'm just wondering if, you know, if there's anything I can do to remedy it or if I'm going to lose it, really. Michelle, when you say they're coming through, so are they not coming through the, the normal green and then turning brown? They're actually coming through the, the ground brown? Yes, some of them, they're coming through mostly brown. There's a couple that are coming through green that's sort of turning yellowy colour, um, but most of them are coming through as a brown colour. Because they emerge from the, from yeah, the crown, yeah. don't yeah, they? Yeah, from the crown, yes. Uh, and what sort of soil have you got? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. It's in, a, it's in a bed in the front garden. It's got a lot of slate round it. I just wondered South, if maybe South it needs be clayish, Yeah, it is quite clay soil. What yeah. would happen if you if it had no water? No, it would still come yeah. through green, wouldn't so it? So you've got lots of slate as a mulch around mm. the plant? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that might be encouraging fungal rotting disease into the new growth. Right, okay. Um, because uh, date palms, canary, uh, Phoenix canariensis and, and all those palms really do like quite dry conditions. Right, might be okay. just holding it too damp and it's, at the and crown. It's, and it's holding too much damp, yeah, moisture. Around the crown. Around the crown. Around so the I, crown. So okay. I would clear all the slate away clear, from, clear from it around about, it. What, seven, eight inches around yep. at least. Yeah. Yes, okay, we'll do um, now the other issue that's possibly happening in association with that is that if you know I, I know it's been dry but if you have got a very heavy clay soil and particularly yeah. if it's now rooted deeply into that clay soil and, and low down in clay it can be very very wet I'm just wondering whether right, the, okay. the, the roots are also not enjoying the situation and unfortunately yeah. obviously there's not an awful lot you can do about that because right, apart, okay. apart from apart from digging the thing up which I, which I certainly wouldn't recommend so let's right. let's let's clear the slate away um let's have a clean slate <laughs> oh, uh, and God. Uh, <laughs> I can't take him anywhere can we and let's see if that helps. 
Ken Crowther. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello, Margaret. Oh, hello. This is uh, Ken and Jeff. Yeah. This is a lovely flower I had for uh, over January, February, March, and it's only just gone off. And I think that was an idol voice, but my friend said, no, that couldn't be that. Now, hang on. um, (coughs) Where is it? The rain, the snow, and the dark winds. (laughs) And it's only just gone off. Where is it it flowering? On On my rockery. And what does the leaf look like? But the little flowers all look like little flowers. Yeah, well, it could be idle uh, ice. Yeah, because yeah. that, that uh, grows on the mountains in the, in the winter. Doesn't but it? it's been cal- it's been coolish nights, so it could have yeah, had a long flowering have, period. Yeah, it's been like a snow drift. Well, it could, or it could really be something, lovely. or it could be something called snow in summer, which is a, pl- in summer. Oh, a plant, I'll, a plant I'll, called cerastium, which has sort of silvery grey leaves. Yeah, could be. I don't. Uh, that's such a, a lovely. Blo- um, white drift that you didn't look at the leaves. Doesn't sound like advice. You wouldn't get. You don't get big you drifts of advice. Well, you can do if it's, Could you? If it's, if it's taken off. If there's a lot of plants there. Yeah. That was absolutely lovely. You know, to have that for four months. That was really nice. It's lovely to hear. All lovely, all, all colours in there again. Good. <laughs> but the snow drift and the children said, "I love your garden, Margaret." I said. Yes, but it's only just snow there. <laughs> I thought that was snow. <laughs> OK, then, Margaret. Thanks for that. Thank, thank you. All, thank you for your call. Bye. That's Margaret in Hatfield Heath. And we go to Vic in Colchester. Vic, Hello. what you got? What you got for us, Vic? I've got a couple of Orlando plants. Right. You've got a couple of oleanders. Yes. What would you like yeah. to know? Yeah. And they're not looking very happy lately. They're, the, the leaves are going yellow. And falling off. In containers, these are? They're in, in containers, yeah. Right. And okay. where have you got them, Vic? Oh, they're in the garden at the moment. Have they always been in Have they always been in the garden? Are they do they live outside in the garden? Yes, they will do. But in the in the winter I'll put them in the greenhouse. Okay, alright. Right, that's good. <clears throat> um okay, well if uh, oleanders have their leaves turning yellow, it is Oh, before I go on, is it just some of the lower ones, Vic, or is it all over? All over. Okay. Um, it might be time to give them a bit of a repotting. Ah. Oh. Uh, it's obviously, basically, their growing conditions aren't right. That's why the leaves are going yellow. Um, usually, they don't like to be watered too much because they, they like dryish conditions. But when you grow them in a container, it means they need, need more water than they would do if they were growing in the ground. I think um, you're, you might find it a lot easier to look after them and give them the right amount of water if you repot them. And at this time of the year, they need a fair bit of water and a fair bit of feed to lots make of, them into bring them into flower. Lots of feeding, certainly. Yeah. yeah Does that help you? Yeah. They're a tropical plant, aren't they? Yes, they are, yeah. 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 Does, that, does that help you, Vic? Okay. Yeah, move them into... Don't overpot them. Move them into the next size pot um, or the next size pot but one, but don't move them into huge ones. Right, email from Samantha in Great Bentley regarding her banana mousa... Is it Basju? Basju, yes. Basju. The, the, the hardy. The hardy variety. She says she's currently in the pot, three foot high. When would be the best time to pop it in the garden? End of the month. Uh, okay, well, basically, it is the hardy yes. in inverted commas bamboo, but it, uh, no, no banana. What banana? did I say? Bamboo. I, I said Just sorry, banana. But it begins with B. Yes, it does. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. It is the almost hardy banana, um, but it's not reliably 100% hardy. Mine almost died out a couple of winters ago. Um, so I would treat it like a bedding plant, and I would keep it indoors until we get the fear of frost over and then plant it out, which is basically towards the end of this month or early June. There you are. That's bananas sorted out. Hope that helped you, Samantha. And we go back to the phones. Let's now go to Mary in Little Cansfield. Hello, Mary. Hello. What would you like to talk about today? Um, well, I've recently bought two magnolia trees or bushes, um, but there's no, all it just seems to be is like twigs. There's no leaves. There's nothing on them. I don't know what we're doing wrong. So you've just bought them? Yeah, I've just bought them and we've potted them. So when did you buy them, Mary? Uh, we bought them about six weeks ago. We actually got them from from a newspaper. Uh, okay. I, I know. I've just put them in, in like a, uh, a peat. 
You mean compost? Compost, yeah, a peat-based right. compost. Yeah. Yep. yep. And they would just put them in the pot, and all there is like twigs sticking up there. It should be leaf by now. In theory, they should have leaf. But by I now. did have somebody uh, again email me this week about a magnolia they'd bought in the spring, and it had produced no growth whatsoever. So what would you wait? Another. So, so what I recommended to them to do was uh, start at one stem, at the top of one stem. Yes. And with your thumbnail, very carefully scratch to lift, basically use your thumbnail to lift up a small amount of the bark. Now, right. it should be deep green underneath. If it's deep green underneath, it basically means even though there's no signs of life, the plant itself is alive. If, okay. it, is a, a, if it is a whitey colour or a brown colour, then that piece of the stem is dead. So go six inches lower down and try it again. And if that's dead, go six inches further down and try again. If you actually, dead. <laughs> if you get to the base of the plant and there is no green at all... Send them back. ..then it is dead and I would send the plants back and, and ask for a refund. This person that contacted me this week basically did it at the top of the first stem he tried and then he got back to email me back and said it's actually bright green underneath the top of the stem. And so then he, you have to just be patient and wait for it to emerge. Because basically it is producing roots which it needs to, to actually you know, grow and, and live and it's trying to get itself established. So it's as simple as that. Uh, good morning, I've just looked at my gooseberry bush and all the gooseberries are covered in mould. Is there anything I can do? And that is from Joe. Nope. Nothing? Nope. They're not inedible... No, you could <coughs> cook them with that. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't. I would certainly wouldn't eat them. But this is a, this is American powdery mildew. Um, it is due to the the, the, the climate, the climate conditions, <coughs> and, and the and the dry weather that we've had. If you know, it's a bit late now, but watering would have helped. Whenever you get powdery mildew, it's always worse. With plants are under stress because they so are dry at the roots. Let's go to Nikki from Clacton talking rhododendron. Is that right, Nikki? Yeah, that's correct. Morning. Is it? Um, is your rhododendron... Yeah, you've just bought them. Yep. No, I bought one, bought this particular one about two years ago now from right, the nursery. Yep. yep. Um, when, we, when I first got it, it was like brown at the tips of the leaves. And I asked the lady there, I said, is it like any disease? And she said it was just frost damage. Now, I paid £25 for it. And it's a lovely one. It's um, tortoise shell. I don't know if you know it. It's a peach one. Is it in a container um, or, in, or in the ground you've got it? We put, we put it straight in the ground. Okay. Um, and all the new leaves, when they come out, uh, they start going the same brown at the tips. And I've done research on the internet, and it, it looked like, you, I think it's called a sudden oak death thing. No, I, no, 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 that, no. No, that doesn't attack rhododendrons, really. No. Um, well, I, I got in touch with, uh, I think it's the plant organisation, and the lady came round and she took some leaves. And she said it wasn't that. No, um, we've agreed that. Yeah. What's the pro what would you like to know then, Nikki? What? Why the new shoots and the leaves are turning brown at the tips, and they just all die back. I've got buds, but all the new shoots just keep going brown. Did you plant it in an ericaceous compost at I all? Did, yep, yep. You did everything right. Yep. yep. And it's and still the same. And where have and you got it? Where have you got it situated, Nikki? I've dug it up now. I've put it in a pot. And it's basically in full sun. Now, hang on, right. hang on. Let's go back to where it was. Well, that's, that, that, there's <laughs> your problem. Was it in well, full it was sun? Like it when I bought it. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Was it in full sun where you planted it? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah well, that's, that's there, the there, problem. There's your problem. Rhododendrons are woodland plants. Oh, so, right. Okay. So they prefer to be in partial stroke light shade. Right, okay. It's quite possible that when you bought it, the nursery didn't have proper shade conditions. I mean, some nurseries yeah. actually put shade netting over their rhododendrons, others don't bother. And it could have easily just got scorched because it was yeah. growing in full sun. But yours now, you've, you've permanently grown yours in a sunny position, which it doesn't like. And, and as a result, the soil will dry out a lot quicker and they don't like hot, dry soil. So that will have uh, made the problem worse as well. Yeah. So now it's in a container. Move that container to a shady position. Make sure you water it well right throughout the, the spring and summer. And the new growth, hopefully, shouldn't have that problem. And let's go back to the phones. And where are we? i tell you where we are. We were going to talk to Pat in Canby Island, weren't we, Pat? Oh, right. Amaryllis, Amaryllis, okay. wasn't it? Um, Christmas, I had an Amaryllis. Yeah. Hippie, 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 hippie
planted in mid-January. Um, it's already in a pot. Um, watered it with tepid water without touching the actual bulb. Now, it says to keep in a room 20 to 25 degrees, which I did. I kept it on top of the radiator in front of the window. So what's happened now, to it? What's the problem with it, Pat? What's the problem? I've got four-foot leaves. Yep. Three one side, four the other side. OK. No flower whatsoever. You've no never, never had flower. a flower? Never had a flower, no? Never. Right. Does happen sometimes, doesn't it? It does happen sometimes, especially if you buy small bulbs or may dare I say, I'll whisper this not to embarrass you, Pat, cheap bulbs. Because when you buy an amaryllis, you want the biggest, it, the it, best. It should already have its flower bud already in it. And no, a, this was about um, uh, you could see the top of the bulb and the yeah, no, the flower, no, no, the, no, flower, no, the in, flower bud exists inside. within the bulb. When you oh. buy an amaryllis, when you buy an amaryllis bulb, if it's a good quality one, the flower bud is in the bulb. You can't see it, but it's already there from the previous year. So we could keep this one going and hope it comes yeah, through just next keep, year. Just keep it growing, water it, feed it. Uh, I think possibly having it on the top of a radiator an may have damaged the flower bud. But basically, either the flower bud wasn't there or it's been damaged since you had it. But it should, it should so flower. Is it, so would you take it outside during the summer period, Jeff? You can do, yeah. And certainly don't cut the leaves off. Allow them to grow. When they start to go yellow themselves, then you can cut them off. And then you can uh, start it back into growth in the autumn for next year. But is you, that okay, it, it's, not, it's highly unlikely it's going to flower again now. Okay. No, no. So I keep it until the leaves go yellow, cut the leaves off. Yep. Maybe put it outside if the weather's okay. Well, yeah, when, through the summer period. If it's got leaf on, if the leaves of if you take the leaves off, then you keep it dry, you can stick it on its side. I put them under the benching in my greenhouse and I and you just don't touch them. They don't need any care once they're dormant. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. Uh, I'm desperate cats, the bane of her life, scrapping, uh, scraping up her shallots. I've heard mention of something called Cat Watch. What is it and how does it work? I, I thought we'd refer to this very quickly because it, I've mentioned it several times. It's something I know you did research on. Yep. I've done research on myself yep. years ago. Cat Watch is basically an electronic device electronic deterrent, deterrent yeah. which sends out a, um, ultrasound. ultrasound which affects the cat and shoots no, it doesn't, it. Def- doesn't affect no, no, sorry, the cat sorry. doesn't affect the cat it it sends out a blast of ultrasound that only the, the cat, cat can, can hear. hear and it sounds a bit like a dog whistle to a dog the cat doesn't like the noise and moves and away will go away so, and and, it, and there are several available the only one that really works is, is that the one, one called cat watch and the con- the email uh, the website is conceptresearch.co.uk and if you use the code GH my initials two zero one seven you get a discount you'll get a ten percent discount. Paula from Hockley, hello. We're talking begonias, yes. Yeah. Good morning. Um, I was sent you months ago and I said, could I cut my begonia corms in half? You said yes. yes. And I've got a super amount of begonias now. The only problem is all the yellow ones, which were yellow last have all turned cream. Any suggestions? Yellow turned cream, and all, all she's done is cut the... So know. are they... Do you think, Jeff, that they're not really cream, that they're just insipid yellows? Well, most yellows are, are, a, are a creamy, are a, yellow, are a creamy yellow, or... No, these weren't. These were a really... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what I was going to say is, is, is that cream and yellow no. is, is, is the same spectrum. It's the same genes that produce right. that, that colour. So it could simply be the growing conditions. Um, compost? Well, no, because one's yellow. Same compost in all three. Same compost, exactly. I've got and a one's ye- few yellow ones, but the majority, I've got about 30 white ones. Cream, creamy coloured, you creamy said, did white it? ones, yes. No. Well, I mean, you know... The, Enjoy them. Well, well, yeah. I, I can't find anything on the internet about it at all. Well, well colour breaks in flowers is due to genetic variation. You will get some varieties, like if you buy some varieties of tulips, for instance, deep red tulips often break down yeah, to, do. to, to the, the, the species varieties that, that created them. Um, you sometimes get mutations that would that, 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 that we can't do anything this. about it. 
yeah. Right. No, right. Simp- no simple answer, Paula, I'm afraid. Right, but at least your advice about cutting the corms in half was very successful. Good. Isn't that lovely to hear? It's good and, to and, it's a, and wouldn't have affected the, the flower no. colour. But uh, what would be nice is if you keep an eye on them and, and, see, and let us know. see what happens as the season progresses. Keep us in touch, Paula. Jean from West Mersey, peach trees, yes? Okay, good morning, gents. I've got a little peach. Well, I've had it for about three years this year. It's only about four feet high. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, but I've noticed this morning the little peaches have started materialising. There's lots of ants on it. Is there anything I can do to deter the ants? Do you think there's aphid there as well, Jeff? Do you reckon? Well, ant- <clears throat> ants are, are drawn towards anything that is sweet. sweet. So if the peaches are actually damaged in any way and are oozing sap out of them then that that that. will be quite sweet and the ants will be after it they are normally after uh, aphids which they farm and and any sap sucking insects excreta which we call honeydew which is very sweet so there may be a pest that you might need to look at and and deal with and control that the ants are being attracted by what could we spray for uh well peaches well any 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 any, you know something like um uh, provado ultimate Killer. But the yeah, no. but the, the fruit and veg version. You have to look for that one. But the ants will be climbing up and down the stem. So yeah. they'll be actually making their way to the tree. So get some of the uh, sticky uh, bands. sticky bands that that, that uh, you use on fruit trees to stop right, yeah. to stop moths climbing up. And that would work. And that will stop them. Yeah. Okay. The leaves are actually crinkly at the top. Perhaps there are some aphids on it, yeah? That could that, be, or it could, could that, be could, peach be, leaf that curl. could be the start of peach leaf curl. If you were listening earlier, uh, we, we mentioned peach leaf curl. Uh, if it is peach leaf curl, then take those leaves off to prevent it spreading to others. And I'll quickly talk to... Who am I quickly going to talk to? Edwin from Benfleet about your Fatinia Red Robin. Edwin, how can we help you? Good morning. Uh, It's in my sister-in-law's garden. Each year I look at the Red Robin, beautifully coloured leaves. This year it's in blossom and I've never known it before and she's never known it before. Can you give a reason, please? Dry winter, I'm putting it down to. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they do flower. It's, it's it's, it's, It's a flowering shrub. They don't normally flower... As prolifically as they they have this year. year. I mean, incredible. One of my neighbours down the road has got one. Um, It flowers every year. There's always some bits and pieces of flower. This year, it is absolutely covered, and it'll be due to weather conditions since since last summer, which is when the the flower buds would have been formed. And that's it. That's the realizer. That's the reason, Edwin. Yeah. So some years you won't get anything at all. Just beautiful leaves. Yeah. And and well, sometimes you'll get little bits of. You know, you might not even notice them because they're so uh, insignificant. But then some years, like this year, they just go boom and they flower their heads off. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. That's okay. That's what we're here for. And we're going straight back to the phones. We are, and we're going to talk to Michael in Chelmsford. Hello, Michael. Hello there. What would you like to talk about? Um, My Laxton apple has um, got a lot of woolly bear on it. They've got plenty of growth, leaves, but no blossom. And this year, or it never had anything for the four years we've had it, really. And um, plenty of growth. But um, can you help, please? Now, Laxton is a a biennial producer, generally, isn't it? Generally, yeah. Right. So it's, it's basically never flowered? That's right. Do you prune it every year? No, no. Good, We haven't pruned it this year at all. That's better. Well, it's probably, you know, unless you, yes, unless you have to prune it, there's Don't no point. Leave it alone. And, and where's it growing, Michael? Um, it's in a pot by a back door. In full sun? Um, no, half shade. Right, OK, I shove it in the sun. The, to get right. good growth out of apples and to get good flowers, good you need good light. Okay. So right. I would not be pruning it because it's, it can also tip bare. So right. try to not prune it, if at all possible. Give it full sun um, and feed it. What do you, what do you, are you feeding it? No, no. Well, they how, are how would you like it if you're stuck out in the garden for a year and nobody <laughs> threw a bag of chips or a bit of steak at you every Come week? Come on, feed, feed it. it. What Give was it the wooliness, right. though? Well, okay. you mentioned wooliness, and that could be woolly aphid. Yes, yes, it is black current stuff underneath. Yeah, that's woolly yeah. aphids. Uh, you'll need to clear that away, or it can reduce the vigour, especially if it's uh, if it's not being fed. It will. It, it'll. It, um, so you can spray that with um, 
uh, any of the insecticides. So I, I would use something like Bug Clear Ultra, Ultra would be a good be one. But right. feed it. You got any plant in the container? You got to feed it. It'll they'll never perform otherwise. Hey, and we go to Angie from Southend. Hello, Angie. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, question regarding my um, pear trees. Yes. I have two pear trees, and it um, there are tips on the pear tree. You know the branches. They seem to be falling off. Well, the the, the, pe- the pears are falling off. No, no. The you know the plant. Yes. As it's growing, the tips, for some reason, are um, dying. Or oh. I, I, in the morning, when I go out in the garden, um, it's on the ground. So you mean the tips of the branches? Yes. There's yes, actually wo- there's actually wood. Uh, no, there's leaves. So it's the leaves that are falling off. Yeah, the, you... the leaves, the so growing you've... beds. The growing buds are being picked off. Yes. Yes. Okay, where are these growing, Angie? Um, on the branches, the tips. No, no, where, where, you, the where, tree? where are you growing the trees? Um, um, in, in, in a sunny spot. In the ground? Yes, in the ground, yes, sorry, yes. Okay, no, well, leaf, leaf drop on, on something like this is going to be... It could be birds pecking at the ends. That's what oh, more, right. most likely. Uh, things like sparrows <clears throat> particularly are very prone to do it, especially when it's dry weather, because there's often moisture in the, in the in the buds at the end, and they peck at them to get at any moisture. Yeah, um, I have lots of birds in my garden. Okay, well that's that's a possibility, um, uh, but also if we've got very very dry soil, then the extremities of a plant doesn't tend to get as much water as the rest of the plant and the extremities, if they're not getting water, tend to drop off because they're not getting any water. So I would make sure that they are thoroughly soaked. Give them a thorough soaking once a week and maybe put a bird bath down for your for your, help, for, for your sparrows to give them a source of water so they leave your trees alone. Um, Phil from Brentwood, what have you got for us, Phil? Uh, yeah, it's about a, a jasmine rhinosperm. Um, I bought it in Norfolk. Okay, quite this a while is ago. this is the this is the email that you sent in. Is it? That's correct. That's correct. Right. Yeah, That's we correct. picked up on that. Okay. Yep. It did. Well, what it was that I didn't realise they grew like a seed pod on them, and uh, they all went brown and they started to open. Well, one of them I, I actually took off and I planted all the seeds which were inside them. Little tiny seeds with like white plumes on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, out of the four of them came up, and all four of them are different. One's got a round leaf, one's got a pointed leaf, one looks like a cactus. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're weeds or what they are. Okay, well, basically, you're, the, you're, you, you've got the name of the plant wrong to start off with. Um, right. The Rhinchosperm... Well, it's actually... It's not that. It's actually it? Rhinchospermum is what it oh, was, used it. to be called. But it's now actually... The, the proper name of the plant is Trachylospermum jasminoides. Um, and yes, it does produce these seeds. And basically, you because it's a species, they'll come out all different. You get vari- you get species variation. Um, you know, whenever you sow any plants, you know, if you sow uh, uh, pips from an apple, they will come out different. You'll, you'll, they'll come out different. And it is a very variable plant. So grow them on if you want to, and, and have a bit of fun, and have a bit of fun, and see what they come to. But you might have to be waiting six, seven, eight years before you get any flowers off them. And sometimes they've got no perfume. Uh, indeed, yeah. That yeah, happens be- because, as well. because they are variable. I'm sorry, we've got to move on to Linda in Holland-on-Sea. You're talking willow trees, is that right, Linda? I am. Good morning. Um, yes, what it is, uh, unfortunately, I had to move it because it was in the way of somebody's fence. Okay. Uh, moved him, watered him, fed him, um, and he's gone all brown and dead-looking, and I thought, oh, God, I've lost it. Well, I've just noticed there's all new green shoots coming through. Good. Um, I had a gardener in and he said, what you've got to do is basically give him a short back and sides, give him a haircut, cut all the, the dead off and just leave the new shoots coming through. But I thought I'd sooner ask because I know it's not the right time to start cutting plants back, is it? I, well, think, I, some, think, what he, I think what he's suggesting is wait till it grows through and then cut the dead out, isn't he, really? Uh, I, don't, right. I, don't, I don't know what he's considering. That's what I would do. When did you move it, Linda? Um, about a month ago. Oh, Linda. Terrible time. Well, no, surprising, it's dying. Right. Um, yeah. 
Give it a thorough water and leave it well alone for the moment, unless you can see bits that are definitely dead, i.e. they are definitely brown. Just because they haven't got any leaves on doesn't mean they are dead. So thoroughly water it, several gallons once a week, to make sure the roots are very moist. And I would leave it probably until at least the end of June, early July, before I started cutting anything back, just in case what I cut back is actually alive. If it's brown, if it's brittle and brown, it's dead, you could cut that off. I'm going to move swiftly on to Madeline in Wickford. A canna lily, yes, uh, Madeline? Yeah, um, yeah would... it, it hasn't started um, spr- spouting yet. Or... Yeah. And um, I've just knocked it out of the pot and it all looks very brown. Is it hard still? Is it firm? Yeah. It's not spongy? No. And where have you kept it over winter, Madeline? Well, it's been really wrapped up, but it had to be in the shed. OK, well, That'd that should be, right. be OK. As long as... I mean, if the, if you keep them too cold, they do come into growth quite late. late. The best place, yeah. if, if you ever had one, would be a heated greenhouse and you could bring them into growth in March or yeah. April and then you get good growth. If the tuber itself is still firm and hard then I would uh, take it, take all the old compost off and repot it, not big a pot, not too big a pot, probably as big as will just accommodate the tuber with lots of fresh compost and, and have another go. OK. You should, you should also be able to see some buds on it if it's going to grow. Yeah, definitely. It, it should grow, shouldn't it? They, they do come late sometimes, don't they? They Canvas. do, but if, yeah. it's, you know, if it's got badly damaged over yeah. the winter, it might not. Eva from Basildon, you've got a palm. You're saying it's coming through yellow leaves. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Ken. Um, it's not mine, it's my son, and he's been trying to find out what to do about it. It's fully grown. He bought it last year from a palm centre, and it's doing really great. It looks beautiful. But it's got new, all new um, green coming through the centre, but all yep. the top leaves are going yellow, and he's wondering, has it got a disease? Where, where is, do you know what palm it is? Uh, yes, uh-huh. here we go. Uh, Tracky Carpus Fortunii. Fortunii. So he's got that planted yeah. outside in the garden. He has. Yes. Okay. When you get yellow leaves on a on a Tracky Carpus, it's either that it is. You know, here we go. Yeah. It's either that it is um, has in a very windy position, so it the, yes, the leaves. It ah, well, there you are then. Right. In which case, he needs to thoroughly water it. Because it will basically, the wind will suck all the water out of the new growth, and if that's not replaced by water by the roots, then it will it will start to yellow and dry out. So thorough watering, even put a liquid feed in the water to, to boost it up. To boost it up. Now, Carol, we're going to go to Carol now. You sent us an email. We picked up on that leaf as well. Carol, you wanted to know what it was, didn't you? Yes, please. Okay, this is the email yes, leaf. Carol, okay, Carol right. email leaf. It is a plant called Circus. Siliquostrum, or the Judas tree. Which is gorgeous. gorgeous. Is it flowering at the moment? Oh, it's beautiful. Purple flowers all the way up the stems. Well, they're, yeah, yes, um, they're more sort of like an aubergine colour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good description. Okay. Circe yeah. <laughs> so Siliquostrum. How, how are we spelling that? Okay, the first word, Circis, which is C-E-R-C-I-S. Yeah. And the second name is Siliquastrum, which is S-I-L-I-Q-U-A-S-T-R-U-M. The Judas 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 tree. tree. You'll find it under Judas tree. Okay, lovely. All right, Carol. Thank you very much. That's sorted. Carol out. Good morning. I'm going to get through some of these texts as well. Good morning, lads. Large jade plant that leaves are turning red. Do you know why? Uh, that cool. is usually due to um, weather. Uh, weather well, condition. Sorry, not weather because it's indoors probably. But it's a temperature. Temperature control. Uh, usually nothing to worry about. Give it a good feed. Peony. 25 buds, but the leaves are turning yellow. Have, I've watered it. Did I do wrong? I, they used a liquid feed on it. Helen in Newham. Well, yellow leaves mm. on a peony probably means that it is still... Sorry, underwatered. But by the time the leaves turn yellow, there ain't nothing you can't turn. You you can't turn the leaves green again by watering it. So you've you've done the right thing. You just didn't do it early enough. Right, Maureen, camellia, sooty mould. Some flowers came out. Do I spray again after flowering? Remove diseased leaves and fed. She's already well. Sooty mould. You'll need to spray the insect that causes the sooty mould. So yes, not the mould. 
Well, the mold, the mold, you can't get rid of the mold, really. You can, well, you can wipe it off with a tissue if you want to spend <laughs> the really rest of your that. life doing it. Um, so, <clears throat> Bug Clear Ultra is the best one in my mind to, to clear that. Hi, Ken. We are a red robin, several years old. It's losing leaves big time. Can you can you can see right through it now? And even the blossoms are dying. Help. That's Rachel from Harlow. And really, well, there people is don't prune the blooming things either. Well, do also they? there's something that's going around at the moment, which is for, which they're calling Fertinia blight. Which it isn't. But it isn't a well. <laughs> Well, they don't reckon it's a disease. It is the fact that the plant is under severe stress. So good watering, maybe do a bit of pruning, give it a really good feed. They are. And last but not least, hi, Ken and Jeff. Great show. Would be better if you had two hours. I'm desperate to get my runner beans out into the garden. They're about nine inches high. I have been out in the greenhouse during the past three to four weeks. Are we safe for frosts? No. So <laughs> take, take the risk if you want to, but cover them with fleece whenever the temperature drops. And it's not only frost, it's cold temperatures and cold wind. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.